Hey, this is Josh, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church podcast today. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. In the early morning of January 13th of this year, the people of Hawaii got a terrifying alert. Maybe you heard about this story. Everyone with a cell phone on the island of Hawaii, including one of my daughter's best friends, got the following alert. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek shelter immediately. This is not a drill. My daughter's friend took a screenshot of that alert and texted it to us, and what was an otherwise normal, if not boring, Saturday for us suddenly became, in my mind, one of the worst nightmares I could imagine. Had North Korea attacked, I wondered. What was going on? Why couldn't I find any news media or outlet talking about what was going on? In our age of instant news, there was nothing to assuage my fears or to confirm them. In fact, if you know the story, it took 38 minutes for the officials in Hawaii to correct the false alarm. But in those 38 minutes, thousands of residents and tourists, and me, freaked out. The authorities of that island had spoken, and it seemed that mass destruction and death were imminent. I heard a story of a um, grandmother and a grandson who were together when that alert came in. The grandson was actually caring for his grandma that morning. And the grandmother had been on the island of Hawaii when the attack for Pearl Harbor had occurred all those years ago. And so when he got the alert on his phone, she calmly looked at him and said, sweetie, you better go make some coffee. We're going to lose power soon. (laughs) And he did. And they drank their coffee waiting for the end of the world. The people of Hawaii trusted the folks in authority. And when it came out that someone had clicked the wrong button to send out the alert, the backlash was pretty understandably fierce. These alerts aren't opinions. They have to be factually accurate. Otherwise, we lose another source of authority in our lives. And those sources of authority, they are precious few. We don't have many voices of authority that we can actually trust. In fact, most of our lives is just made up of folks and their opinions. We have more opinions today than we've ever had in our whole lives. And thanks to technology, those opinions come with you anywhere you want to go. And depending on how you have your alerts on your phone set up, you can never be without fresh opinion. They will just buzz and you will know. Somebody new has told you what they think about something. So let me ask you, whose opinion counts? Whose opinion matters? Who's the authority on stuff? Now, we have experts in every imaginable field today. And it's hard because sometimes they say conflicting things. And we don't know who's the authority on something. Here's just an easy couple examples. This idea of fake news. Is it real? Is there really such a thing as fake news? Or 
Can I trust the media outlets? But if I can't trust them, if fake news is real, what does that mean? But if it's not real, is this a political idea that's been ginned up by special interests of a few? Who's the authority on fake news? How about healthcare? Very popular for us to talk about. Should we as a country provide health care for every American, or will that in fact increase our national debt so much that the future of our country is in jeopardy, that there won't be anything left for our children? Who's the authority on that? Or immigration, which fills the airways today. Is the system really broken, or are there greater powers that are using the folks who are desperate for a better life as pawns and using them maybe just to get reelected. How do we know? Who do we ask? These are huge issues, and both sides have very strong arguments, and I'm sure you have very strong opinions. Absolute certainty here is difficult, if not impossible, because it seems that nobody knows for sure who's actually correct until usually these events have played themselves out for a period of several years, if not several decades. And then, only then, after decades of doing things and trying stuff, do we think, oh, well, that was the right way. And because these answers are not immediately known, or because maybe they have minimal effect on our lives, it seems, we often listen to all these opinions, and then we just sort of shrug. We don't make any decision at all. We don't know who's really in charge. We don't know who really has the facts. And because that decision doesn't depend on us anyway, and because it's going to take several years to figure out, we don't settle on anything. We pick nothing. We disengage with the issues. We disengage with the people who are in these issues, and we let other people figure it out. And so they shut down our government, or they don't shut down our government, whatever. Then there are these other times when it's much closer to home for us, when it's personal, like a missile strike. What? When it's something very important to us because it's going to affect us and it involves our hearts or our actions and we don't know what to make of that. And it's in these issues that these questions become much, much more critical for us. And so we, we, we want to know who is deciding which direction we're going to go Whose opinion should I listen to? Because it's about me. Who's my authority? As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of when my marriage for a season was in a pretty bad spot and we weren't getting along and we wondered if we ever would again. And I had to decide who I was going to listen to, who would help me, who would help me know what to do next. Oprah? (laughs) Dr. Phil? Dear Abby? My parents? My best friend? Whose opinion counted the most? Who knew what to do next? Or when I was deciding to figure out what kind of dad I wanted to be, how I wanted to parent my kids, I had to decide first who should influence me as a father. Did I need to read more books? Or should I just be like some TV dad, like Heathcliff Huxtable on The Cosby Show? Whoops. That didn't work out. Whose opinion counts on these things? Who's the expert that I should be listening to? Or how about you? When you were deciding what line of work to go into, was it a simple decision? I bet it wasn't. Did your mentors guide you? Did God just speak? 
Did you go to some motivational seminar that inspired you on what to do next? Who is your authority and why do you listen to them? That is a really critical question that we actually deal with every single day of our lives because we have to make decisions on that. And so, like last week, Let's go to that lakeside community where in the first century there were a bunch of people who were grappling with this exact same question. Who should we listen to about the questions of our lives? Who do we look to for direction? Who's the authority on important matters of life? And there was this new teacher. He'd been traveling around the province for a while. They had heard some good things about him. And in their world, a few weeks before, in their little lakeside community, some prominent businessmen Leaders in their fishing industry had started spending time with this guy. And then over the last few weekends, this guy had been speaking to them in the synagogue services. And the townspeople were trying to come to a conclusion about his teachings because they weren't like stuff they had heard before. It was what he was saying, but it was also how he was saying it. It was different from anything else that they were used to. It had this ring of truth. He seemed to have authority when he spoke, and they were blown away by it. And so there was this question, should he be an authority for us? Should he be the authority for us? We don't know. And then something happened, something that we read about in our gospel today that was really unusual. In fact, I would argue it was kind of scary. And they weren't sure what it meant for them. They weren't sure how to wrestle with it. Jesus was in Capernaum. Just like we saw him last week, the text just prior to our Mark passage today, and he was staying at the homes of Peter and Andrew and John and James, and they're all leaders in the fishing industry, and they're spending time with him. And he, of course, was attending the local synagogue. And he was asked to speak because synagogues didn't have salaried staff. They didn't have residential teachers speaking, teaching, preaching, they were all done by the lay folks in the congregation. And so there was a coordinator of every synagogue who would schedule the speakers. And as the word about Jesus had spread and had gotten reached Capernaum, they invited him to be one of their speakers. They didn't know what to make of his teaching. His words had authority. He wasn't like other teachers or leaders of the law who usually just taught the traditions from the fathers of long ago. He had something more. He had a certainty that they hadn't encountered before. And you have probably had that same experience when you've heard somebody and you thought, whoa, what they're saying, this sounds real. I know it happens to me sometimes when I'm watching the news and there'll be a panelist or there'll be a panel filled with different speakers and there's usually one person on the panel who isn't getting riled up. Everybody else starts yelling at each other. And the moderator is trying to sort of get a, a rise out of every single person because it makes for good TV. But there's usually sort of this one lady who has the right credentials and she's staying calm. She seems to be two steps ahead of everybody else in the conversation. And she's speaking with this authority that seems unshakable. And I usually think to myself, I'm going to look her up on social media. So I start following that person on Twitter because I want to see what that authority in their life looks like. That's what happened here. They all followed Jesus on Twitter. 
They said to themselves, he's different than what we've heard before. He's not like other teachers. His words have authority. He knows what he's talking about, and he is unflappable. And then there is this one Sunday that we read about today where something really crazy happened in the service. And actually, it was a little bit scary. They didn't know how to explain it. They weren't sure what it might mean for them. Because there's a man, as we read, possessed by an evil spirit, and he cries out during the service, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, if that were to happen right here in church, right now, I think you'd be pretty shaken up too. Look, some of y'all get pretty fidgety when someone starts coughing or a baby starts crying. So if someone broke out like that, I think you'd lose your mind. But what if somebody in the service actually yelled out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And even right there, when I just yelled, you got uncomfortable, didn't you? You thought it was a little weird and, and, and you wanted to kind of get out of here. So then, in that service, rather than talking the guy down, rather than trying to get him to lower his voice, or just being shocked into silence like I might be, Jesus sternly replies to him, be silent and come out of him. And then we read, the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Now that's quite a church service. I think it'd be one that you remember for a while and talk about. And the folks at this church service that we read about today, they were pretty shocked. Actually, it says that they were what? Amazed. They were amazed. They kept asking each other, what is this? What's this new teaching? And with authority, he even gives order to the evil, orders to the evil spirits, and they obey him. And not too surprisingly, Jesus, word of, words of Jesus spread all over the region of Galilee. Now, it's important to note, I don't think that they were actually too shocked. They weren't just in shock about what happened. They were afraid. It was unexplainable. But I want to be clear what was so shocking for them. What was scary for them wasn't the presence of the demon. It was Jesus' power over the demon. Did you hear that? It wasn't that they were afraid of the demon. They were afraid of Jesus' authority over that demon. Jesus simply speaks. And the demon has to leave. Jesus makes a decision. This is not going to be this way. This matter is settled, and he says it, and it's done, and it's more than they can handle. I think if it was us, it'd be the other way around. The thought of a demon being in someone actually makes us a little afraid. Seldom. Do we explain anyone's behavior as being caused by a demon? But at the same time, we have these unusual phrases that we use, like, what's gotten into you? What's come over you? We have these phrases for behavior that we can't explain, like something else is going on, but we don't want to even admit it to ourselves. And there are times, at least for me, but I know for you too, because we talked about it, when we come across some evil that is actually beyond our ability to explain, something that is just beyond normal human sinfulness, and maybe it's something in the news that is so terrible that we actually have to look away, another school shooting or another uh, terrorist attack, 
And we just think, how can such evil exist? Where does it keep coming from? And then on lesser scales, when we encounter self-destructive behavior from folks that we know or love or even don't know, we just sort of scratch our head and think, what? what's going on here? Maybe you've been in a grocery store and you've seen a mom rip into a child and you can see the fear behind the child's eyes and you think, this is, this is nuts, what's happening? Or maybe you've encountered a teenager whose anger and hatred and rebellion goes way beyond what is a desire for independence or freedom. And we want to just look away because we can project who he or she's going to become as an adult. Maybe you have a friend who seems to be driven by the desire to humiliate other folks, to make them feel small, to completely dominate and inflict misery. And you have to say to yourself, why? What are you getting out of that? When we see all of these things, I think we say to ourselves, how did this happen? What made you like that? Where did that come from? Evil doesn't make sense. We're at a loss to explain it, particularly when it's more than we expect. But our culture has, by and large, placed its trust in all things scientific. And so we don't understand, like other cultures do around the world, that there is actually evil in this world. And in fact, there are evil beings known as demons, is what scripture calls them, that can enter into a person and become a force of control in their lives. Now, we can't see them, the Bible says, but they are in spirit form. And they serve Satan and they work evil in the world. And if a person is open to it, they will use that person to make Satan's fear real to other people. Demons were originally part of God's throng of angels in heaven, but they joined Satan in rebellion against him. And like Satan, they were cast out of heaven. Now, today, these demons carry incredible anger and hatred towards God and his creation because they want to draw anybody they can away from God, any way they can. And the Bible says that we're powerless against them unless... We are covered with the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, unless we put on the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. Check it out later. Read it. And the good news in the midst of this bad or scary thing is that Christ came and destroyed the works of the devil. That is, those who were held captive by Satan, by his minions, they have, they have the ability to be free, to be filled with peace to be made holy. Christ came to set us free from control, to connect us to God, and to give us strength and joy. In our passage today, in our gospel today, Jesus shows us his power to do that very thing. He has absolute authority over this demon. He simply speaks, and the demon has to obey. There is if you noticed, no drawn-out ritual to cast out this demon. There's no Harry Potter incantation. There's no mumbo-jumbo. There's no incense. There's no props like wands or feathers or robes. There's no lengthy, frothy prayer. No prolonged struggle. Jesus just says, you're done. You don't have control anymore. And the matter is settled. The moment God rebukes him, the demon is destroyed. And we should note that God's rebuke throughout all of Scripture, whenever that occurs, nations rise and fall because of it. His word is the deed itself. And the people of Capernaum, the people in this church that day, they would have known this. 
They would have known that Jesus' words and deeds, as they watched what he did, they were being confronted with who he really is. And they had to come to grips with this very important fact, the same fact that we have to come to grips with right now, today, and that is Jesus has the same authority as God. He spoke, and it happened. All enemies are under his control. And so when it says in the text today that the people were so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, this new teaching and with authority, he gives orders to evil spirits and even they obey him. They don't know quite what to do with this level of authority. They're a little unsure on how to handle it. What I love about it is the same is true for us. We're the same. Are we prepared? Are you prepared for this level of authority in your life? Are you ready for a God who, when he speaks, it is true, and his decisions make it happen? Bigger yet, will you accept that authority as true just because he decided it as true? You see, God's word must be our authority because when he speaks, this is also how he decides what things will be. He who speaks like this has the power to make all things happen. And at this moment, his power can decide this is how it will be right now. So here's my point. We can't say that we listen to God, but then only obey the parts of his word that we agree with. Can't say that. He has shown us his level of authority right here in Scripture, his ability to make all things happen. So the only question that I see remaining to us is this. Are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to accept his authority? And by accept it, I mean all of it. Are you willing to accept all of what Jesus said, no matter what it might mean for you, no matter where it might take you? Are you willing to accept even the parts that you don't understand? Are you willing to let his way be the way, even if you don't know what that means? And get honest about who's really crafting your opinions, who's really helping you think what you think. Because if Jesus isn't at the top of that list, it's time to make a new list. For us today, We've got to accept his authority as the authority. As we do, if you do, you need to let Jesus Christ form and inform all the other authorities in your life because whether you like it or not, whether I know it or not, they are subject to him. In fact, I would argue this is a gift. This is a gift for you and I. This is what it means for us to be a follower, for us to be a disciple, but it's what it means for us to be his child. And so I want to pray for us right now that you would receive that gift. So let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that we listen to all kinds of authorities. Oftentimes, they're not you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak into our lives about the areas that we have put other voices above yours and help us to subject them to you. Lord, if it's everything from our jobs to our marriages to our children, anything at all, God, that is above your authority, help us to repent, to admit it, and to put everything under you. Thank you, God, that 
Your voice still commands things, and I pray that you would command us. Help us to hear you clearly, to know you more, and to rest securely in that. In your name we pray. Amen. We're so glad you've been a part of our conversation today. Our prayer is that you will take what you've heard and bring it to the Lord with the question, what would you have me do? To find out more about all the good things that are happening on our campus and how you can get involved, feel free to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on our website, graceofcala.org. Go in peace.